Tonight at Ground Zero Meetings, we're going to continue down our alphabet teaching. Um, tonight's letter is X. It is a great letter. It's been a little tricky. I'm glad I had an extra week to come up with something, to be honest with you. You know, I was thinking about X-ray, but but I'm actually going to talk about X. Miss. Xmas. I'm kind of cheating a little, but it, it's still powerful. You know, I've heard Christians say that, you know, we have to, we can't say happy holidays, we can't say Xmas, that it's Merry Christmas. But the truth of the matter is, is that Xmas means Christmas. The X is the Roman numeral that stands for the, the word Christ. The ICXC, you see it in a lot of old churches, you can probably find it upstairs, to be honest with you. The XC stands for Jesus Christ. They took the first letter of Roman and Greek words, I think it's Greek, sorry, Greek words, and they made it into something that could be used. So, you know, the, the word is starts with an X, but it's actually a Greek, you know, letter that really is like C-H-I, so it's Christos. And the word is Christ. And the word Christ means Messiah. Mashiach would be the, the Old Testament pronunciation. That they're waiting for this warrior king to come. That all throughout the Old Testament, you see these prophecies that they're waiting for the, the one. They're waiting for the deliverer. They're waiting for the Messiah. They're waiting for this Christ. They're waiting for this Christos to come to set them free. That they've lived in slavery. They've lived in bondage. They've lived in oppression. They've lived in hardship. They've had unruly kings, they've had wicked kings, they've had pharaohs, they've had all these different things controlling them through the years that have brought on such pain and oppression that in their best efforts, you know, trying to turn to Yahweh, and a lot of times they turn to pagan gods as well, which is interesting because Xmas is technically falls on a pagan holiday, which was the pagan holiday for the sun god. But which is also kind of interesting is that the winter solace is taking place, that December 21st is the longest day of the year where the sun is, is, is hidden for the most amount of time, that it's the darkest day. And the sun goes through this transformation that it disappears that it stays in that, that place of, and then on the third day, December 22nd, December 23rd, December 24th, all of a sudden the sun begins to take on a new shape. It starts to have longer days. So this, in the pagan rituals, 
that the son would be born on December 25th. So the Catholic Church was like, we can grab a hold of this one real easily. That all throughout life, that we miss God more than we realize. See, here's these this Hebrew nation that has all this scripture, and they've been waiting for really thousands of years for this Messiah to come. And when he finally shows up, they miss it. Because we've preset in our minds that God's supposed to go and move how I think he should move. And when God doesn't do what I think he should do, I help him. (laughs) How well do we do at helping God? So as much as times that we believe, God's at work in our lives, and we're oblivious to it. And he's around us, giving us signs that he's foretold, and we miss it. You know, with the Christmas holiday, you know, there's the Star of Bethlehem. Now, it's rumored to believe that when Babylon came in and destroyed Jerusalem, that they exiled all of the Hebrews, the Jews at that time, and brought them back to modern-day Iran. And then there was prophecy that Jeremiah had given, saying that after 70 years that we're going to go back to Jerusalem. You know, one day somebody's kind of digging through the scrolls and trips across it and goes to the king and says, hey, you know, this says that we can go back home. What do you think? And he's like, sure, I'll pay for it. So here's this pagan king who really, you know, his bloodline destroyed Jerusalem and then he ends up sending them back and pays for the thing. But that's not supposed to happen that way. God can do anything in our lives. And so often when we try to put him in this box that he's supposed to do what we think he should do, and then when he does it, we start to help him, we miss his hands moving in our lives because our focus is not on God, it's on us. But see... You know, it's believed that when they were exiled in Babylon that that Daniel, they would take the wisest of them and the king would use them. You know, and then there's the stories of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego because they took these these wise men and they gave them pagan names. They gave them Babylonian names. So we know them by their Babylonian names and we don't know them by their Hebrew names because of the stories in the Bible. But it's believed that this group of wise men carried with them the traditions and the scriptures and that they studied the sky. So when the signs in the sky came along and they're like, look, that's prophecy. 
they decided to get on their camels and they trekked across the desert following a star to show up into Jerusalem two years later. It literally took them two years walking across the desert following a light in the sky for them to show up in Jerusalem where it's the capital of what they believe in. And they're like, we've seen the sky, the signs in the sky. Where's the king? And they're like, what? What do you mean? What are you talking about? But they knew <clears throat> the prophecies that this Messiah, this Savior was going to be given to them through a virgin in the town of Bethlehem. So because they knew Scripture... Herod was like, go to Bethlehem and kill all the, the little boys at two years and, and younger. See, there's so often that we miss it because our focus is not God, our focus is us. And when things don't go the way we think, we think that God's out to get us. Now granted, you know, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? That, that's the statement. Well, sometimes the things that happen is because we do stupid stuff. And sometimes things are just happening. You know, I've come to learn, good, bad, or ugly, God is always right in the middle of it. And it's up to me to seek out what Jesus is trying to do in my life and maybe the people around me. Why is this circumstance happening? Where's Jesus in the middle of this? What's Jesus trying to teach me? What area of my life needs to be adjusted? You know, if I feel like I'm not learning it and I feel like I'm hitting my head into the, you know, into the door a lot, I'm like, all right, Jesus, what's really going on here? Because I'm a go-getter. Most of us in here, some of us in here are go-getters. You know, we want to move. We got to be moving. We can't sit still very much. You know, so a lot of times because we're always trying to move, we like pass God. We're like, I'm helping. It's like, I took a left like a week ago. But I'm over here. I'm ready, God. We're doing this. I'm, I'm, um, where'd you go? He's like, I'm, I've been waiting back here at the fork in the road. And then we come back around the mountain and we come back at that choice that we didn't want to make, and we, we decided to do it our way. We took a left. And God's like, you're ready to do it my way? Let's stick right. You know, how many times have we said, why am I here again? How many times have we said, why do I have to go through this again? How many times have we said, I thought I learned this already? It's because we learn a piece of it, but the Lord has more to teach us. You know, through the, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous, I, I learned a couple, two, three things. And something that I picked up in there years ago is that there's two lessons that we choose to learn every day. One's humility and one's patience. I can choose to relearn this lesson or I can choose to do it my way. And a lot of us don't like patience. 
And a lot of us don't really realize how much more humility we really need because we think we got that thing. But rumor has it, the, think, the time that we think we're, we have humility, we instantly lose it. So we can choose to wait on God and trust in God, or we can choose to do it my way and rush ahead every day. Step three tells me I, I turn my will and my life over the care of God as I understand them. Well, for me, just because I thought I believed in God, I thought I understood him. And I breezed past the step saying, I believe in God. Got step three. Let's go. So here I am rushing forward once again. But sitting in a meeting one day, and normally, you know, we read the steps in this area and, you know, they're doing the readings and I'm tuned out. And all of a sudden it hit me. Boom. As we understand it. How do you understand God? Well, I have a belief system. Well, some Christian pissed me off, so they all suck. You know, churches all trying to get your money, and then every priest is trying to molest every little boy, and you know, and evolution, and and you know, and, and you know, it's never done anything for me. And and if God was real, then why have I had such a hard life? And you know, we have all these excuses. Life situations that we've been through and justifiable defenses to why we think God's not real. But a lot of times, God's at work in our lives and we just can't see it because we're not focused on the fact that there is a God or even He would like to hang out with us and that the fact that He actually loves us. Most of us have been taught that He's trying to send us to hell. Like, you're a horrible person. I'm sending you to hell, but pay me on your way. Pass the bucket. You know, and we've, we've gained this religious mindset of church. You know, even since we're here and we're listening to this crazy tattooed ball guy talk about Jesus, most of you in here believe in Jesus on some level. But we could go to anywhere. And we could go around any room... We could go to McDonald's later. We could go to wherever, Chipotle. We could go any place that we wanted to and say, who believes in God? And some people would raise their hand, some people wouldn't. But, you know, the people that say, I don't believe in God, they have a belief about God. They just choose not to believe in him. So everybody has a belief in God. It's called a theology. Everybody has their own theology about God. Whether you've been in church your whole entire life, you're new to this thing, you don't know anything about it, or you hate the whole idea you have this idea of God in your mind and in your life. Whether you like it or not, God is a part of your life because a lot of times we believe and you're like, yay, Jesus. No, it's like, no, Allah, you know what, Buddha, whatever. You know, that's stupid. I'm not believing it. Evolution. We all have this belief system that we choose to believe and it directs our steps. See, the Old Testament, there's these Jews that have this belief system and it's directing their steps, but they're missing God. Like, Jesus shows up and like, you're not the one, kill him. And he's like, I'm the one. Look at all the cool stuff I can do. 
nope, we don't like this idea. Because you make us feel a certain way. You know, God moves in our lives and we don't always catch it. But see, on some level, we've wanted to be rescued since we were little. That we use drugs and alcohol to, to save us from our problems. We've used relationships to save us from our problems. We think if I get a good job and I make enough money, it's going to save me from my problems. The list goes on and on of us trying to help God save us from our problems. But even if we get all of those things, the problem is still the problem, and it's the thing that we look at when we look in the mirror. Is that there's not one person on this earth that's hurt us more than ourselves. There's not one person that's made more bad decisions for me than me. In many a years of doing it my way, in many years of thinking that this, you know, I'm an atheist and every spiritual thing is stupid. And then coming to the understanding that I'm alive. There must be some sort of God out there. I don't understand this whole thing, but I'm still breathing and shouldn't be. And I started talking to him, and stuff started happening, and it started freaking me out. And I started, this is really weird. This prayer stuff works. And I started investigating different religions, and I started looking into this and looking into that and practicing this and practicing that. But the bottom, the root of the problem is I needed the Messiah in my life. Because me, in a belief system was still not enough to set me free if the belief system's wrong. That many of us in here have a belief, even if we believe in Jesus, we believe things about Jesus that aren't true. That Jesus is trying to hurt me every time that something goes wrong in my life. Every time I sin, Jesus is getting me. I've been bad. God's spanking me. That's not true. His grace, His love for us goes beyond our understanding. And even if we leave here and do sin on some level, His love for us doesn't change. And if we leave here and we behave ourselves really good, He does not love us more. He loves us absolutely 100% all the time, no matter if we're good or bad. Wait. That's not what I was, that's not what I believe. I don't care what you believe. Why? Because the Bible has illuminated truth to me that set me free from a mindset and a lifestyle that was destroying me and everything I was doing in my life is looking for something to rescue me from me. And eventually I got to this place, after I've relapsed again, after I was broken again, after my way didn't work again, and someone said, hey, why don't you come to church? And I'm like, can't hurt me. 
I was like in a crack house like a week ago. Off to church I went. Didn't hurt that the girl that was bringing me was cute. I'll go check out this church stuff. I've been to church before. Church. You know, that place that bores you. And you wait to leave. Stand up, sit down, sing some songs you don't understand in some other language, but it's actually English, but you don't understand any of the words. Oh, man. <clears throat> but I came in a place of brokenness, knowing that something needed to change. It doesn't matter where you're at in your life. Every one of us in here has something in our life that we want to change. There's something in our lives that we've even tried really, really hard to change. And it's not working our way. And we try to do it a little bit of Jesus-y, and we try to do it a little bit of our way. And then Jesus is like, hey, do it this way. And we're like, I don't need to do it that way quite yet. I'll say I believe in Jesus, but I'm still going to do it my way. But the truth of the matter is that belief and faith are different ends of the spectrum. Whether you believe or don't believe in God, He believes in you. You know, there's scriptures in this book that we call the Bible that really mess with you. There's one that has messed with me since I read it, and it said that he's created me within the womb for a purpose and a destiny. That every one of us in here was created by God. Now, our parents had a part to play. But God made us who we are. Because if it was only up to our parents, those of you that have brothers and sisters, you'd be identical. doesn't matter if you'd have years apart, that the DNA from mom, the DNA from dad would make the same kid, whether it's a guy or a girl. And even identical twins have different personalities. God has a part to play. And the reason that every one of us is still sitting here. My whole life I was trying to get what I wanted. My whole life I'm trying to escape pain. My whole life, my pain, I gotta keep it close to the chest. It makes me who I am. It's nonsense. Because all it does is lead me into more pain because I have trust issues and I don't trust you and I got to do it my way and I, I got to hustle and I got to do this and I got to do this and I got to do that. I got to scratch forward, claw and, and, and kick and scream and climb, trying to get mines. And all it's done is left me broken and empty with no purpose. You know, it was 2005 when I walked into church for the very first time, and all I was really trying to do was get sober. And Jesus showed up in a way that messed with me, and I didn't even realize what was really happening because I was so broken 
that this thought that Jesus loves me in spite of what I've done, in spite of what I've been told, that he would forgive every sin that I've ever committed, no matter what anybody had ever said, that he wanted to come into my life, that he wanted to come into my heart and change me from the inside out despite anything that I believe or didn't believe, that he was for me and not against me, that he wanted to heal me. All I have to had to really say is, like, if you're real, I'm ready. You know, and I came to this meeting, which is different now, but it was a Celebrate Recovery meeting. And I came for a few weeks, and then I woke up one Sunday morning and said, if I'm going to be serious about this God stuff, I should go to church. It's this programmed religion. Go to church. This is how we go to church. Because I didn't understand that Jesus was real. I didn't understand that he's alive. I didn't understand that he's moving in this room right now. He's giving me words to speak. He's given me things to say that are hitting home in every single person's heart and mind in this room. How is that possible? I don't know some of you. Things that I have said. How did that happen? How did he know that? I was thinking that earlier. We talked about that earlier this week. Because the Holy Spirit, who is alive in me, who is alive in you, is moving, connecting dots, shifting puzzle pieces into place to give us a more clear understanding of who Jesus is. Because as much as we think we know, there's times that we miss it. Just as they missed it. Just as we'll miss it again. Because God does not fit in our box. He does not do it our way. And if we want a God that we can control, we got the wrong type of a God. Because that's the God that we've been trying to control through drugs and alcohol and relationships and money and jobs and this and school and yada, yada, yada. This is a God that's going to give me what I want. It's going to rescue me from myself. And then I get it. And I'm on to the next thing because it's never enough. But see, what Jesus does, he comes along and he shows us that he's more than we could ever have imagined. And he starts messing up the game. Because he starts healing stuff that we don't like to talk about. He starts bringing unforgiveness up in in us about situations that I don't ever want to forgive. Like that person needs to die. And Jesus is like, yeah, forgive him. I'm like, I don't want to forgive him. It doesn't matter what you want. And we get upset at God. The kicker for me is that how many times have I been on the way to go do something I know I shouldn't be going to do? And even before I go, I hear this little voice says, that's a bad idea. And we just like, don't call that person. Don't text that. Don't leave. Don't get in the car. Don't do this. Don't do that. And we're like, I'm doing it my way. I can't hear you. If you go there, something bad's going to happen. And then we go and something bad happens. You're like, 
oh, I really should have listened to my gut. How many of us have had that type of experience? We've all have. And what the kicker is, is that later on I accepted Jesus and I realized that the Holy Spirit wants to talk to me. The Holy Spirit's been talking to me long before I even accepted Jesus. So my idea that God hates me, He was trying to rescue me from myself long before I ever believed in Him. It's messed up. You know what's also messed up? Is the people that we hate the most. And the people that were angry at God because they hurt us. That this circumstance happened, and I'm angry at God because this happened. That same person had that same Holy Spirit telling them not to do the very thing that they did that day. That hurt us in a way. But just like I haven't listened to that little voice, they haven't listened to that little voice. And we did what we wanted to do, and that is technically called sin. And we need a remedy to sin, and the only thing that's a remedy to sin is what Jesus did and laid his life down as a perfect sacrifice for us, that he was willing to die for our crime. And that his blood was this perfect sacrifice that set us free from the bondage of sin. Yet, I will continue to sin because I'm a sinner. Is there any of us in here that are perfect? Just a couple in the back row. <laughs> Knuckleheads, I tell you. They both raised their hand at the same time. Jesus, get them. <laughs> You see, is that God's at work. He's been at work in every one of our lives long before we got here tonight. Years ago. Years ago. Years ago, I was this, this baby Christian and this crazy stuff was all new to me. And I wasn't really sure that this God stuff was even real. But I was broken and desperate enough that I was given a, you know, a little bit of Inquiry. I was investigating some things, and they were telling me to read this book, and I don't like to read, but I'll read the book, you know, because I want to figure this out for myself. I don't want some charlatan to scam me in this thing, and then I start believing in Jesus, and I become one of those idiot Christians, and I start giving, putting my money in the bucket, and later on I'm like, this is retarded, because I've thought it was retarded since the, the get-go. I'm not getting taken by this stuff. So I start reading the book to figure it out for myself. Well, I start reading in this book called Corinthians, and there's two of them. The second Corinthians. And it's chapter 7, and it's verse 9. And there's this scripture that just straight up punches me straight in the face. And it says, I sent you this pain, and I'm not sorry. Wait, that... That's not supposed to be God. Because your pain made you turn from your sinful ways. To salvation. And it flashed me through my life that every opportunity that I had to, an opportunity to choose to keep doing it my way 
or I could have taken some direction and tried a different way. But because you don't know who I am, I got this. I don't need anybody's help. Man's out to get me. I fought the law and the law won. If I don't do it for myself, nobody's going to do it for me. All my excuses get thrown out the window. Because all this pain that I've been blaming God for got put on my shoulders because it was my decisions. And I've been blaming mom, and I've been blaming dad, and I've been blaming the man, I've been blaming America, I blame this one, I blame that one, I blame my ex-girlfriend, I, I blame, I blame, I blame the dog if I can get out of it. But the truth of the matter is that there's been nobody that's hurt me more than I've hurt myself. Now granted, there's been people in my life that have hurt me traumatically. I've been molested as a kid, I've been abused, I've been thrown downstairs, I've been hit with brooms. There's people in my life that have hurt me traumatically, that have abused me, and it's not my fault. But as a grown man, there's nobody that's made more bad decisions for me than me. And Jesus is showing me that this pain that I hate so much, that I've been looking to drugs and alcohol and relationships and money, success, i got to go to school. If I get an education, then I can get a better job and then things will be different. Everything that I tried to use as an excuse to fix me, at the end of the day, the person that puts his head on my pillow is me. I'm the one to blame for the reasons that everything's chaotic. And what Jesus is showing me in this moment, that even in the midst of the pain, I've been at work. Even in the midst of the pain, I've been trying to turn you for many, many years. But because you're arrogant and prideful and stubborn and aren't willing to listen, you keep blazing through my roadblocks and wondering why there's more pain on top of more pain on top of more pain and blaming me for it. And God's like, I tried helping you when you were like a teenager, but you were really a knucklehead, so you had to go off the deep end a couple times. But you're lucky you're still alive because I saved you here and I saved you there. And look at this opportunity that you could have been in prison forever and you're not. I want justice for all the people that have harmed me. But I want mercy for all my crimes. I am really grateful that I did not get busted for all of the crimes I've committed. Thank you. I do not want justice. I'd still be in jail, prison, for many, many years to come. I want mercy, but I don't want to give mercy. But yet, Jesus gives us mercy when we don't even deserve it. And then he pours out his grace upon us, giving us an opportunity to have a different life. And we reject him. And then we accept him, but yet you got to do it our way, Jesus, in the name of the Lord. You know, we're still trying to control him. Well, I believe in God. Why is this bad thing happening? 
you know what? A lot of times that bad things happen and there's a blessing disguised in the midst of it that if we get our eyes focused on Jesus, we'd see the blessing in disguise that the bad thing is not a bad thing. But so often we all we can see is negative because we've trained ourselves that everything sucks. I remember the first time that I went to county jail. It's my mom's fault I'm in here. If she would just get me out, everything would be better because I'd be higher than a kite right now. So I'm angry at mom for me being in jail. We didn't even live in the same city. It's her fault. If she just bailed me out. No, it's my actions that put me in jail. Not my mom's. Well, if my dad did this, you know, I can blame and blame and blame, but the truth of the matter is that at some point I have to start taking some responsibility for my actions. And now I look at some of my most painful moments in time. Going to jail. Drug addiction. Being abused as a kid. Are now some of the things that God now uses to help people find that there's freedom in this thing called Jesus. That it's not about religion. It's not about coming to a building. It's about having a relationship with this living God that loves me and wants to show me how a different way to live is. And he gives me this this book to show me that if I align myself with certain things, that painful things will stop happening and better things will start happening. But it doesn't mean that trials won't come my way, but how I handle that trial will be different how I used to handle that trial. And if I handle this trial God's way, He'll show me how to get through it, where if I handle it my way, I just create another trial. If I continue to do it my way, I'm going to have a trial after trial after trial. And I'm like, where did God go? He's like, yo, homie, I left you before, but I've been trying to love you. Now come this way. Do it this way. Come over here. And we're like, no, 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 i got to help you. And we fight Him sometimes in our life. Because we're trying to rush ahead. Where if I would be patient and humble myself and know that He's God and that He loves me and that He's got a purpose for me, that He's got this plan for me, that if I could rest in the mindset that He is for me and not against me, that I'd stop doing all this chaotic stuff and I'd start to sit still just a little bit. It doesn't mean I can't do stuff. It doesn't mean that there isn't stuff for me to do. It just means that I should be more careful about some of the stuff that I go running forward towards. That God is moving in our life. That we need this Messiah. We need this Christos. We need this Christmas moment. This present that's a free gift. That when we accept Christ... It's not because we've behaved ourselves well enough that God is like, now you've been a good boy or a good girl. It has nothing to do with that. It has everything to do with that. I'm tired of doing it my way. And I'm ready to try to figure out this Jesus stuff. And you don't have to have it all figured out. You don't have to be perfect. You just have to be willing to try to learn and have a relationship with him.
And it's not as difficult as we think it is. It's not, I have to obey all the religious rules. It's like, Jesus, if you're real, I want you to start moving and showing me some stuff. And I promise you that he'll start shifting things in your life. And you'll be like, whoa, that's weird. That's a coincidence. It's funny how coincidences always happen after I pray. And what's really cool is when we get real specific with prayer, those coincidences are like, wow, that's pretty weird. That God has this ability to take care of stuff and adjust stuff and shift stuff and bless us in times that we don't, in our own mind, deserve a blessing. I've been bad. God can't bless me. And God's like, oh yeah, watch this. Every one of us miss it. I miss it. I don't come up here and and take this stance. I'm holier now and I have it all figured out because I absolutely don't. And the people that are laughing know me the best. I'm a broken man. I'm still figuring stuff out. I'm still in my process of healing. But I believe that Jesus has set me free from the man I used to be. Absolutely, hands down. The, the, the man I once was is really a distant memory. He just survives in stories. Because this new man came alive in Christ. I should be dead. should be in prison. I don't deserve the life that I have. But God decided to reach into my darkness even when I didn't believe in him. And sent this girl across my path and said, hey, you should come to church. You can't hurt me. And I ran into Jesus And Jesus has been shaking the game up ever since. There is absolutely no way that you could have convinced me that this is who I would be. And this is what I would be doing with my life. Because I absolutely don't even believe in any of that stuff. But because he moved in such a powerful way in my life. I now give my life back to him and say, use me, because there's people out there just like me that don't believe in this stuff, that religion is hurt, that people have hurt, but yet you're so real and that you're so loving and that you're so good that you want to change my life and you want to use me to help the people around me. All because this Messiah, this Christos, reached into my darkness and and turned the light on and said, Tom, it's time to change. Many of us have been walking in the darkness for a long time. We've been in pain for a long time. We've been trying to do it our way for a long time. And Jesus is trying to turn the light on. We just got to be willing to let him. And I'm not asking anybody to to try to figure it all out because I'm still trying to figure it out. But I know I need God in my life. 
I know I need to, to have a deeper understanding of who Jesus is and what he did for me. And I believe that the Holy Spirit moves in ways that I can't explain. He does cool stuff around me. He speaks to me in ways that I don't understand sometimes. And there's times that he tells me things and I'm like, I miss it. And later on, I like stumble in and I'm like, oh, you were talking to me. I missed it. And sometimes it's like the most random thing that we don't even think is significant. I was at the other store the other day and I'm like buying stuff and I'm like, there's avocados. I'm going to make guacamole. And so I'm getting all the stuff for guacamole and I'm like, I hear this little voice, get limes. I'm like, I don't need limes. I have lime juice at home. I get home and figured out that one of the guys used all my lime juice and I'm like, the Holy Spirit loves me enough to tell me I should have picked up limes. This is so stupid. <laughs> like, it's not always these big crazy things. Sometimes it's just day-to-day stuff. And if we listen to that little voice that's telling us to do stuff or not do stuff, just like I didn't listen to it before in bigger areas, that he's like, hey, knucklehead, I love you enough to tell you you need a limes. <laughs> but this bigger stuff, if you listen to me in that stuff too, really cool stuff's going to happen. But guess what? Now you got to send your little brother to the store to get limes. Thank you, Jesus, for little brothers. We miss it. We'll always miss it. But we get back up and we keep trying. That when we we mess up big, we come before the Lord and say, Lord, forgive me, I messed up big. I want to keep changing. I want to keep growing. I want to keep trying. That we're never done. Just because you believe you didn't cross the finish line, it's actually you started the race. But now you have somebody that walks beside you that gives you the instruction that, that wants to speak to you about little stuff and big stuff. That we begin to listen to him, he begins to show us that there's an awesome way to live. Just bow your heads away. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. Lord, I I thank you that you have moved in my life and you've moved in, in so many of the, the men and women here, Lord. I just ask that you just continue to reveal yourself in, in ways that we will recognize, Lord. I, I just pray if there's anyone in here that doesn't really believe in you, Lord, that you would move in that person's life, revealing your goodness. Lord, it's not about rules. It's not about religion. It's not about behavior modification. It's about asking you into our lives in a place of brokenness and and asking you to begin to guide us. Lord, and it's okay if we don't completely buy into it all, Lord, that help us to just kind of investigate it for a little while, that that maybe we'll see some things that we can understand and can wrap our mind around, Lord, that you know us better than we know ourselves, Lord. And I, I just ask that you'd move in our lives, Lord. I ask you'd break off addiction. You break off alcoholism, you break off any sort of dysfunction that continues to trip us up back into painful things, Lord, that that you reveal things that are going on in our situations right now, that you're trying to teach us things, you're trying to strengthen us, you're trying to guide us. Lord, we don't always see you, we miss it sometimes. But Lord, I pray that we would understand you more through life circumstances and, and spending a little time in your good book. 
Lord, help us to grow. Help us to change. Nobody wants to continue to stay in pain. Lord, but sometimes we just don't even know. We don't even know how to do it. We want to change. We just don't know how. So, Lord, I pray that you would move in our lives and guiding us towards change, towards healing. That you'd restore us. You'd redeem us. You'd transform us. And, Lord, that you would use us. Use us to help those that are around us. In Jesus' name I pray. Many, many, many.